Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Acts chapter number one, book of Acts chapter number one, that had nothing to do with the sound man, folks. There's just a, there's a switch on here that can go two, di- two directions. And when it's on one, that right there will happen. And so it was there. And that's what caused that tonight. Amen. Acts chapter number one. As you are turning there, there is uh, prayer at the church tomorrow night. Uh, from 7.30 to 8.30, power hour. The doors are open for you come and assemble and be a part of that. And then do not forget those that are involved in leadership. On Sunday, Sunday afternoon at 4.30, be a leadership meeting for those uh, that involves back here in, uh, back in the fellowship hall at 4.30. And then, of course, service times are like two buns on either side of that. Amen. Just to make you a whole meal deal. Amen. To be a part of that. Acts chapter number one. Amen. We're going to start with verse number four. Amen. If you still not yet signed your name for camp out there and you are going, please do so. I don't think we're somewhere around 40 people now or so 40 41 so that's great looking forward to it everybody going and getting the holy ghost amen getting saved all over again i hope amen renewed in the spirit acts 1 verse 4 the bible says and being assembled together with them and speaking of jesus assembling with his disciples with them commanded them that they should not depart from jerusalem but wait for the promise of the father which saith he, ye have heard of me. So this isn't the first time they've heard him talking about this. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth amen this is part two of our act series tonight and to put a title on this so that we can have some means to identify it I'd like to call this tonight it was worth the wait It was worth the wait. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for once again to be able to be in your house. God, we pray, Lord, for virtue, God, to flow from this place, even while we meet here, to those that are in need of healing. Pray, oh, Lord, tonight, you're able to touch our hearts, God, our minds. God, bring us, Lord Jesus, wisdom and knowledge, Lord, in this place, but more importantly, God, Lord, the inspiration of your spirit, God, to fall upon each of us. And we'll thank you and praise you for it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Shake someone's hand, if you will, next to you before you're seated. Shake your own hand if somebody's far from you, I guess. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. It was worth the wait. Two weeks ago, we come to the understanding that whenever Luke began to write the book of Acts, he started to tell us that basically the former treaty or the gospel of Luke was an account of what Jesus began both to do and to teach but acts as we know it is what jesus still continued to do and teach through his apostles by the power of the holy ghost that they would soon receive and so i think it's important to note though that jesus christ concerning his disciples he did not send them forth to go and to do and to teach without telling them first of all wait for the promise of the father because in order to be profitable in their doing and profitable in their teaching they needed more than just the wisdom of men to go on they needed the spirit of the almighty god to be inside of their life and to send them forth without waiting for the promise of the father which we find to be in verse 5 which is undoubtedly the holy ghost it would just result in them doing teaching and 
accomplishing what they could without the Holy Ghost, which would by no means have the same impact or effect that doing those things had with the Holy Ghost throughout the book of Acts. I guarantee you it would not be the book that it is and it continues to be had it not been for the empowering of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. If it were just mere men doing what mere men could do, it would be nothing, nothing beyond what a normal history book that you could pick up today and read uh, could be concerning. But since it was empowered by the Spirit, they were, then the actions, the things that we read in there go beyond the level of just the natural. They go beyond the level of just the normal, for that matter. Those things are splattered, no doubt, in there, the natural and the normal, but there are things that are a level above those type of things. And we can only attribute that to the power of the Holy Ghost. And so the underlying concept in all of this is this. As much as Jesus wanted wanted them to do, and in occasions leading up to the book of Acts, he told them greater things than this of what he had done. Well, you not only see, but you also do. So it was a great desire of the Lord's for them to do, yes, and for them to teach, yes. That was part of his commission. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, teach it, preach it, and to every nation. But I believe the emphasis is this. He didn't want them to go and do anything without the Holy Ghost. And the rule of thumb that was good for them then is good for us now. If there is going to be any doing of the New Testament church because she isn't finished yet, Amen. Uh, She may have had her beginning in the first century, so to speak, but she's not finished. There are deeds still left undone in our world, in our community, right here where we live and breathe. Christ still wants a doing and a teaching, but as it was then, so it is now. He for sure does not want us to do it without the Holy Ghost, without being empowered by the Lord. And so there were even some of their group This is what the impact of the Holy Ghost does. There were some of their group that was later described in the book of Acts that the Bible says it pointed to these, I believe it was Jason of his household, and said, these are they which turned their world upside down. I want you to know, though, that didn't take place without the Holy Ghost. That didn't take place without the empowering of the Spirit of the Lord. Nor do I believe it could have taken place without the empowering of the Lord. It takes the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, it takes the Holy Ghost. It takes, folks, the Holy Ghost. And so we understand that whenever all this took place and happened, that that these men, these men, after having their encounter with the Lord and their discussion with the Lord, and even after uh, he would depart from them, I, I believe undoubtedly after he ascended, many of them would have probably, if they were allowed to, just went back home to some in the region of Galilee and just because they were all Galileans, went back home to the area of Galilee and just went there and stayed clear of Jerusalem if they hadn't received the command from the Lord. The reason why I say that is because in around Jerusalem is where everybody was rejecting the Lord. In around Jerusalem is where hands fell upon him. He's led out of the city to a place not too distant from there and that's where he was crucified. And so all of the personalities and all of the attitudes are a little high in Jerusalem right now concerning being against the Lord and his followers. All right. So there's kind of a, the last place you want to go is where they try to kill your leader. (laughs) You know. And so if it wasn't for the command to go back there, I believe they would have just went home. But he commanded them. The Bible says he commanded them very plainly to to not depart from Jerusalem. And so it's there that after the ascension that they would go, it's there that they would wait because everything was going to start at Jerusalem. He told them in the Gospels, ending many of the Gospels, that they were going to preach baptism in his name. Where it's going to begin, he said, at Jerusalem. And so the very place that Christ was rejected was going to be the same place he wanted them to give first witness of the demonstration of his power. Amen. Now, that's just like the Lord. He said, you reject me, you take me to a cruel cruel tree, and you you kill me there, but I'm going to give the first witness to the power of what happened by your hands to take place in the same city. Amen. Where you was rejected, I'm going to still be received. Woo! And, And it's all going to start there, Acts 1 and 8, that many of you could quote that broadening of the circles, if you will, 
of the impact of the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God starting at Jerusalem and the Judea area and broadening out to Samaria and the, 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 the goal of Christ was that it would to reach to the uttermost part of the earth and it did before Acts comes to a, a, a downward spiral in our Bibles that is it reached all the way to Rome which is pretty far out uh, for the world of that day and so it did go to the uttermost regions of what they did know and what they did see amen but that only happened it only reaches Rome in Acts 28 because it first reached home in Acts chapter number 2 it was not going to go any further than from where it started if it didn't start where they were at does that make sense in other words, we cannot by no means, as then so now, the, the applications and principles are the same, we can by no means be reaching our hand for the help of, 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 of Germany, of, of, of Poland, and we do help these areas of the Philippines, so on and so forth. We can by no means do that. We can't even go to the next state over if we don't initiate it right here at home first. Amen. Right here at good old Mount Carmel, Illinois, amen, it will never get to the reaches from this church that it needs to go unless, first of all, it starts at home. The old saying used to be this, that the light that shines the brightest shines, or shines the farther shines the brightest at home. Amen. And so it's got to start right here at home. And so I'm concerned, and with that being said, I'm concerned a little bit, if I can just throw a little pastoral concern in here. I'm concerned sometimes when people start uh, talking about doing a ministry somewhere else at another location, at another church, and they've never attempted ministry at home. Where they're presently at. Because it should be able to, ministry should be able to start right where you're at. Before it even goes anywhere else, should be able to start right where you're at. He spoke to them, commanded them. The word is commanded. Commanded them to wait. Everyone say wait. Wait, wait for the promise of the Father. Now, what we interpret waiting and what this New Testament Greek word considers waiting, two different things. Our wait for might be clasp hands together and twiddle our thumbs. Twiddle dee, twiddle dum. I'm just waiting. Trying to be patient and waiting. The word wait there in Scripture is that they were waiting for or they were expecting the promise of the Father. Waiting, and this is bad grammar, I'll tell you right now. Waiting isn't doing nothing. Should be isn't doing anything, but I'm making a point here. Waiting isn't doing nothing. Because during that interim of 10 days, from the time that he actually ascended and from the time that the Holy Ghost descended upon them in that upper room, I read in verse 14 that there were about a number of 120 gathered together and in that time of waiting, they were in prayer. Waiting was not doing nothing. I also read, we'll get in a little later probably next week, that evidently Peter must have been reading the scriptures because he comes across a couple in the Psalms that indicate that perhaps Judas's office that is now vacant should be fulfilled. And he brings up some of the Psalms. So evidently Peter must have been doing some reading, not of a romance novel or anything of that nature. He's reading the Scriptures during this time that's called waiting. So they're praying. Evidently some of them are reading the Scriptures. And then in Luke, when we read of the ascension in Luke 24... The Bible says after he was ascended that they went to, they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Now, what we might call waiting no activity, twiddling our thumbs, these people said we're waiting with expectation. In other words, if he said it's going to come, we're keeping a watchful eye because it's going to happen. But we're not just standing there. We're going to pray while we're expecting. And we're going to read the word while we're expecting and we're going to praise and bless God why because there's nothing that fuels a heart of expectation of the spirit any more than prayer Bible reading blessing and worshiping God so waiting is not doing nothing there was a story of a 
of a lady by the name of Sue Kidd. She was a monk, and I think sometimes they throw that in, Sue Monk Kidd. Uh, she was a monk, and she tells about her experience of being in the monastery. And she, when she was firstly there, she, she failed uh, the attempt that they all times do of sitting still in silence. And she observed a monk that was apparently enjoying uh, their success. And there in silence, she asked him, how in the world can you sit so still and do nothing? And he informed her of this, that she had bought into the myth that waiting and doing nothing are the same thing. But he said, when you're waiting, you're not doing nothing. He said, the monk said, when you are, are, doing, when you are waiting, you're doing the most important something there is. <laughs> I think that's all right. Whenever you are waiting in the sense of, of Acts chapter number one waiting, you're not doing nothing, but they were doing some of the most important something there was, waiting for, expecting the promise of the Father. Someone say amen. amen. Now, many of us have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but there are still times having the baptism of the Holy Ghost that I'm still sometimes waiting for the Spirit of God to fill this present-day house. Because yeah, right. yes, it wasn't that the Holy Ghost came and it just filled them with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says it filled all the house where they were sitting. Right? That's what Acts 2 tells me. didn't just fill them, but it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And though we come in here sometimes, if you've already been born again of the water and the Spirit, you come in here with the Spirit of God, there's times even in services I'm expecting for Him to fill the house where we're gathered together. And since that's the case, Bishop, if I'm waiting or expecting that, then I think that our experience should mirror their experience. Yes, we no longer need to wait for the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It's here. You can receive it. If you've already got it, that's great. But sometimes we are in an expectation mode for the infilling, if you will, of the house where we gather on Sundays and Wednesdays and Fridays at time. In order to do that, we must expect His Spirit to show up. Wanting the house to be filled with his presence, we got to be waiting. We got to be expecting his spirit to show up. Amen. His power to fill the house. And what expectation does is drives you to preparation mode. And preparation mode is that prayer. Preparation mode is that Bible reading. Preparation mode is that praising and that blessing the name of the Lord. I have found sometimes in the prayer room that I start to feel his spirit fill the house. I have found sometimes that through our, our, our praising and our blessing God through song services, it's like a, some, a door is turned on a hinge and that his spirit starts to fill the house. There's sometimes it don't happen till during preaching. There's sometimes it don't happen till the altar call. But somewhere along the way, I'm constantly just saying, where are you, God? I know you're going to come down. I, but you know what? I don't wait for him to show up and then pray. Wait for him to show up and then let's give some praise. No, no, no. I'm just a step ahead here because I got expectation. Before this thing is done, he's showing up. So I might as well get the ball rolling here and pray and read and pray and bless yes this was a message concerning the promise of the father that was not foreign to them this is not like the first time they had heard these things Christ had spoken to them John the Baptist the forerunner of Christ had talked to them about the Holy Ghost the Bible says in Luke 3 and verse 16 John answered saying unto them all I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose, but he, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John says, I'm doing this, but there's one coming after me that's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And so whenever Christ was speaking to his followers, amen, 
This was not the first time they heard it. They had heard it from Christ. They had heard it from John. But what Christ was telling them, those things you heard concerning me, concerning the Holy Ghost, and John spoke of concerning the Holy Ghost, it's on the verge. We, we use that word a lot. You know, it's on the verge of happening. In other words, it's about ready to take place. He told them this Holy Ghost that's going to come, this baptism of the Holy Ghost is going to come not many days hence. Right? As a matter of fact, I think John even spoke one time. He was speaking about the Holy Ghost. He called it the Spirit of Truth or the Holy Ghost. He says that they knew due to Jesus being around, they knew the Spirit of Truth because, well, Christ Jesus had the Spirit of God. Uh huh. And so they knew the spirit of truth because they had been around Jesus. And what John told the disciples was this hey, he's dwelt with you, but there's a day not too far in the future, he shall be in you. Amen. And so Christ is saying, John said, not too far, but I'm telling you, not many days from now, the very thing that he spoke of and I've spoke of, it's going to take place and it's going to happen. Amen. And so they knew then that the baptism of the Holy Ghost was at hand not many days hence. And so with that, they've heard many things, but they've heard this terminology of the kingdom of God being spoken about before the death and burial and resurrection of Christ and even after his resurrection. And so if all things are equal, they spoke about this Holy Ghost before. What about the kingdom of God? They asked about the kingdom of God. I mean, if the Holy Ghost is not many days hence, maybe the kingdom of God, maybe, maybe even the kingdom being restored to Israel is not too far from now as well. And folks, there's something I think important. You know, sometimes people want to look at this. Disciples, man, they just have it all wrong. What's their deal? But we can't, fault, we can't fault the disciples asking if he was going to restore the kingdom of Israel at that time. Because again, right after his resurrection, you know what he's doing? He's continuing to talk to them about the kingdom of God. And so this is on the forefront of their minds, or at least he talked to them about the things that pertained, as the scripture says, to the kingdom of God and so for the Jews which is mostly what he's addressing here at this time to the Jews the kingdom was a very natural concept very physical concept amen but the kingdom of God is something that transcends the physical world amen the kingdom of Israel as we could call it amen were things that considered uh, concerned land and, and concerned uh, various empires that they had been subjected to because they were under the Roman Empire right now at this moment they're wondering are we going to get control back are we going to get the our own power back amen and so they want to know if, if we've been through years and they had generations and years of others control or is Israel going to get her kingdom her power back and Christ let them know very plainly. Amen. Let them very plainly. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't fault them for asking the question. He just let them know the times and the seasons of when that's to happen is not for you to know. You know, uh, Israel as a nation was never even recognized as a state again until like May 1948. That's quite a few years removed from then. <laughs> and we're still waiting for a complete restoration of her land and the Temple Mount, and that constant battle between the Jews and the Palestinians over in the Middle East. That's the kingdom of Israel. But when we talk about the kingdom of God, in many instances, it's available right now. It may not be here in a physical sense, and this kind of goes back to your Revelation days, it may not be here in a physical sense concerning the millennial reign of Christ, or, or the physical sense of being a new heaven and a new earth here upon this earth right now, but his kingdom, the kingdom of God, is already resident on the earth by virtue of living in your life and my life. Can someone say amen? As a matter of fact, the Lord's Prayer even gives us a little, a little definition to what Jesus meant by the kingdom of God. He said, whenever you pray, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven whenever heaven's will is done on earth his kingdom has already in an instance has came and the kingdom of God the Bible says Christ spoke to them one time he said the kingdom of God is going to be in you the Pharisees asked Christ said Christ 
When is the kingdom of God going to come? And his response was basically this of Luke 17, 21. He says, neither shall they say low here or low there. He said, the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. It's not low here or low there. But behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And so again, Jesus didn't, he didn't deny, he didn't deny that, that the kingdom of Israel or Israel was going to have her kingdom restored to her. But he said, boys, it's just not, it's not correct for you to know about the timing of it all or the season of it all. And with reason, with reason, because if they knew when the kingdom of Israel was going to be completely restored, that would set up a timetable for the rapture of the church. I'm not trying to delve all the way back, but whenever she gets her land back and the Antichrist confirms that old covenant of Genesis 12, the church goes before that. And if he, they were to know the times and the seasons, there would be a timetable set up. And let me tell you, and this a timetable set up that the scriptures already told us about, no man knows the hour. No man knows the day. And for that matter, you know how man operates, don't you? We'd live our life differently if we knew the exact day and hour when it was going to take place. Look, he said, it's, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Both of those words, two different words for times. The word times, the word times in the original language means a period of time or any length of time governed by the clock. He says, it's not for you to know that. He says, nor is it for you to know the seasons, the point of time, the opportune moments or critical or epic-making episodes, special moments of visitation from God. He says, it's not for you to know that. In other words, it's not for us to know in advance the times or the seasons when they are to happen or when they are to come. All right? But that's not to say that when they're here, the season's here, we won't recognize it. You understand what I'm saying? But it's not for us to know the exact time because again, humanity, I know humanity, I am one. All right. I'm a part of this clan. If we knew the exact time, we would live life differently. We'd live life according to that date on the calendar. Listen to me. People would live in opposition to God and then make things right before he came. don't tell me not because there's some people that flirt with death like this as long I live wherever I want but as long as before I die I make things right with God I'll be fine well I'm glad you know that ahead of time that you're going to have like a slow death or it's not going to be something tragic and that's and it's you're going to know it's coming and all that we, we see, see how we operate and flirt with death even now if we knew a mark on the calendar then when Israel was going to be restored we knew the rapture was going to take place before that we'd do whatever in the world we wanted to do but that's not the way it goes that's the reason why Christ admonished us regardless he said be ready be watching be waiting why because his coming is imminent what does that mean it means it's likely to occur at any moment and so we got to live. He wanted, he wanted his disciples to live as though, because he's going to go away. The angels told him, but in the same manner that he goes, he's going to come again. He wanted them to live as though it could be any moment. That's the way he still wants his church to live. Now look, look, look at the transition between verses 7 and verses 8. The transition on the word, on the word power. He says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, verse 8, but ye shall receive power. Two words there, power. Two different words in the original language for power. So the Father hath, the, the Father hath put the knowledge of these times and seasons in his own power, but ye shall receive power. The word power in verse 7 means authority or restraining power. Or power that is, that is natural to a person, innate or from them. But the power in verse 8 is defined as the ability or doing power. Power that is given, conveyed, or conferred upon another. And so the Father has put in his own authority. The Father has put in his own power, knowing the times and the seasons. But... He's not leaving us powerless. He's given his disciples a power or he's given them an ability. He's giving them a doing power. Remember, 
Because I don't want you doing and teaching without the Holy Ghost. So when the Holy Ghost comes, you can do and teach. What are you doing? I'm giving them a doing ability, a doing power that's going to be conveyed upon them, conferred upon them. In other words, they don't have it in themselves. Their source comes from another. Whereas the power of God, amen, it's just from him. It's natural for him. He has it all balled up in himself. He has his own authority. But the ability and the power to do that he gave to them would be something that he gives to them. Amen. Comes from the word dynamite. He gave us some dynamite. The Bible says in Acts 4, 4 and verse 33, same word for power that was given to the disciples. And it says with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. With great power, with great ability, with great doing power, the apostles gave witness of the resurrection. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4.12, same word power. For the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. The kingdom of God is in the doing. The kingdom of God is in the ability that was given unto them. And so God has the authority that power but he's given us the ability this power all right god has the authority and we got the doing so here's what i encourage us with with tonight we must keep exercising our ability until god exercises his authority uh-huh we got to keep exercising our ability and our duty and our obligation until god exercises his authority amen because the power and the ability comes from the Holy Ghost. He said that Holy Ghost, what's going to happen? In verse 8, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon us or upon you. The Hebrew equivalent for that word upon is down from above. Until the Holy Ghost comes down from above. In other words, the Holy Ghost doesn't come from Peter. It doesn't come from Paul. It doesn't come from any of the other disciples. It doesn't come from anybody, but from above. And it is the same today. There is no person upon this earth that can just endue you with power, amen, of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. I don't care. You get the most famed evangelist. You get the Pope himself from Rome, and he cannot put his hand on you and endue you with power. If power comes from any concerning the spirit of God it comes down from above and when it comes from there honey you got the ability and the doing work to go forth I'm supposed to be teaching in Acts 1.8 in Acts 1.8 many ways when we look at Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth in many ways it's a little geographic development there Jerusalem being the the hub those other areas distancing out from Jerusalem and accompanying areas further and further away for that matter Acts in 1.8 is a very good outline of exactly what took place in the book of Acts Acts 2 we're in Jerusalem by the time you get to Acts 8 you're in Samaria by the time you get to Acts 27 and 28 you're to the uttermost part of much of what they knew to be the world of that hour. You're at Rome, and we even read in Scripture where uh, the Apostle Paul even had a, a eye of going on towards Spain, although he never did meet or reach that, and that would have probably been the furthest known place that they knew of in that day, Spain, but he never did quite reach it. But here's the thing, folks. In order for it, the Spirit, the message, to reach the uttermost part of the earth, that we are aware of today we must still be witnesses unto him in all regions of the world that's the reason why we send out home missionaries that's the reason why we send out world missionaries why because acts 1 8 was to the extent of what they could do and what they knew of in their day but we have a greater understanding of how far that span is today to the uttermost part of the earth there's lands we're aware of today they were not aware of then. And so we are still in this journey of allowing that to reach through us, the church, to reach those regions of the world today. Now, whenever you start in the books of Acts, and even through the Gospels, the Gospel had a very limited, very limited 
span of people that they were going to consider. The Bible says in Matthew 10 and verse 5, these 12, here in the Gospels, Jesus sent forth and commanded them, listen to this, saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles. Son, you've already narrowed the scope big time by just that. And to any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. That was in the Gospels. If that was the case, the, 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 the Samaritans and uttermost part of the earth part of Acts 1-8 was not in action in Matthew. But that is not the witnessing charge for the book of Acts, church. It encompasses those areas that were not formally included. It goes the distance and above and beyond to places that it was not formally introduced in. Amen? Now, they were, they were to be witnesses unto Christ at these various areas. You've heard me here in recent days talk about this because the Bible says in verse number 8 that ye shall be witnesses unto me. You may remember me saying this. You remember whenever I said, the Scripture said, be witnesses unto me. We all have oftentimes read that, that we'll be witnesses to people in these areas. But he said in these areas we would be witnesses unto him. In other words, from what I can read and what I felt like the Holy Ghost impressed upon my spirit, that we're to have a heightened sensitivity of the Lord anywhere and everywhere that they went and that we go. Because you may never know when God would like to use your ability for his glory. Amen. And so beyond home, workplace, where we travel, you want to be witnesses unto him. Honey, you want to be plugged in. That you can be sensitive to the Spirit because you may never know when He has an opportunity before you. It should not and it does not have to be confined to a church, to a building. And so while it's important for us to have the Spirit at work in our services, it is vital for us to have it at work anywhere and everywhere we go. Amen. The Bible says in John 16 and verse number 7, He says... Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Christ is speaking here. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, look what happens when the Holy Ghost shows up. He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment and of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Look, he says, if I don't go, he's not coming. But when I do go and he does come, looks what, what, what's going to happen. He's going to reprove the world of sin. What are you saying? I'm saying this. We need the Spirit. We need the Holy Ghost. And we need to be sensitive to that Spirit and to that Holy Ghost. Wherever everywhere that we are because it's the Holy Ghost that does the convicting and the convincing of people that don't know God. Why are you talking about we need the Spirit of the Lord in our service? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus said in the book of John when He comes He'll reprove the world. What will he He'll cause conviction. The Holy Ghost causes conviction. And so we need the Holy Ghost in every service. I'm not allowing anything off the scale. I'm not allowing Brother Cook anything off the scale. If there's eight people on a Friday night or a low number on any other service, that doesn't mean we may not need him tonight. No! In this service tonight, we need the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is what does the convicting work. And if we're witnesses unto him, everywhere we go, we take that spirit if we're plugged in and sensitive, the Holy Ghost can be a convicting work at every venue of your life. You've heard me tell the story before. I won't forget. I was working in Emge's, Brother Mason, back in the day, early marriage. I was there. We were, I was working on the Arby's roast beef line. I filled the bags. Man, me and another black guy did this. We had it down to a science. It was fun. We laughed and kidded, and we worked second shift. But there was a lady on that line, and she was talking about her kid, and she's talking about him being lost, and someone was telling her, there's no way that kid can be saved. He's going to hell and all that stuff. And I'm sitting there, and I said, I beg the pardon. I disagree. 
And with tears in her eyes, I began to tell her about the hope and the grace and the possibility of what God could do in that child's life. And tears are coming down her face. What are you saying? Everywhere you go, you can be a witness to him. you got to be plugged in, though. And his spirit can do a convicting work. Let me tell you, that girl, she is in this city Today, I run into her every once in a while, and I say, how you doing? I ask her how her boy's doing, and I always invite her to church. Why? Because anywhere you go, I'm not saying you got to go on the corner and get a soapbox and start saying it's repent or hell and all this stuff. No, but you do got to be plugged into the Spirit so that whenever God does a convicting work and opens a door, you're ready. Spirit does it. The Spirit does it. If there's going to be conviction, it'll be because the Spirit was there. And so if people are leaving with no conviction, we got to say, were we expecting? What could we have done? Because I need His Spirit. I need His Spirit. I need Him to fill this place. I need Him to cause conviction to fall. Whether it's through a song, through preaching, whatever it may be. Through a simple handshake as they entered the building. His spirit convicts and convinces. Witness is a big thing throughout the book of Acts. The word occurs about 29 times in the 28 chapters in Acts. It's used as both a noun and a verb. Meaning that we must be a witness with our life and go witness with our testimony as well. There was one individual who was given the count of a man that was a friend of his, a true story of a person that had actually been a witness on a trial uh, within his city. And he said that whenever he took the stand on that trial, this was the question or the, the, the admonition, rather, that was given to him, this witness. They said, sir, just tell us what you saw, what you heard, and what you felt. The Bible says in 1 John 1 and verses 1 through 3, John is right, and he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and shew unto you that eternal life. Hmm. They said the life was manifested, we felt him, we seen him, and we handled him. And based upon that premise, we submit to you eternal Mm. upon that premise we submit to you eternal life is somebody hearing me right now if you've experienced God and you might not with literal eyes but I have seen him in the realm of the spirit if you felt him and heard him and seen him based upon that premise tonight that makes you a good witness to tell somebody about the eternal life oh yes he said the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship. Hmm. This is not a fellowship by proxy. This is not a fellowship through another person. But they're saying we're doing an introduction and we're stepping out and you guys can have fellowship. This is not fellowship by a priest. This is fellowship that I move out of the way and say, I've seen him, I've heard him, I've felt him, and I introduce you to the eternal life. Let me step aside. I'll do the declaration, but the fellowship, you guys can have fellowship all by yourself along with one another. I don't have to be a third party that's a part of that. Oh, Jesus. And so kind of going back a little bit to Sunday night, God uses people. If we are witnesses unto him and his spirit, his spirit just might prompt us to testify. One person said, witnessing is nothing more but where the redeemed tell the unredeemed how they can be redeemed. But it's the spirit that convicts. Acts 26, I'm, I'm running. I'm, I'm going to close here soon. Soon. Acts 26, verse 16. Jesus... Jesus spoke to Paul on his road to Damascus and what's happened in Acts 26 there's three different times that Paul told of his own conversion so this is one of those times he's telling of his conversion to the king of Agrippa so he's recounting some of the events 
And so this is what happened as he recounts the events to Agrippa in Acts 26 and verse 16. This is what he's saying. Now, this is what the Lord said to me, Agrippa. This is what basically Paul's saying. This is what the Lord said to me, Agrippa. <clears throat> he said, but rise. Christ talking to Paul. Paul's just relating this story to Agrippa. He says, but rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness. Both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear. Woo! I get, I get consolation from that. Because that what that tells me is this. My first encounter in God is just the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. It's just the tip of the iceberg. He says, I'm causing you to be a witness of not just what I've done, but what I even I'm going to do. Woo! And he says, those things in which I will appear unto you, verse, verse 17, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Look at that. He said, Paul, I saved you out of the Gentile nation for the purpose of sending you back to them. The message I preach is not a message of isolation. It's a message of separation. Difference between separation and distinction and isolation. The problem is sometimes the church has moved to the mode of isolation. That's not what Christ said. Christ said, I saved you from them, separated you from them, made them distinct from them, but I'm sending you back in there because there's more of them that ye need to witness, my, witness unto me in the spirit of the places that some of these Gentiles are and my spirit will do a convicting work and they'll get the very same experience that you got, Paul. So I've called you, I've delivered you from the people, from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, look, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That's good stuff. God uses people. In Acts 8, Philip was instrumental for the Ethiopian eunuch. Huh? As I said Sunday night, Ananias was instrumental for the then Saul who became Paul of Acts 8. Nine? Huh? Peter was instrumental for the house of Cornelius in Acts 10. Paul hearkened to the Macedonian call. Right? Plus a whole lot of other calls besides that one. Ephesus and Colossae and all these other places because they were sensitive. They were witnesses unto him everywhere and anywhere that they went. Now, I'm, I'm hastening. I'm hastening. We're all right. School's about out. I'm going to be able to go longer. I know people still work. I've been there. I understand. After Christ ascended, he wouldn't be coming back in bodily form until a later time. A time that's not even came yet. They knew, not many days hence, not many days away, he would be back in spirit form. And so they stand there, gazing up into heaven. And two men stood by them in white apparel and they asked the question. Christ told them, I'm, I'll be back. If I go, I'll come again and receive you into myself that where I am there you may be. Right? They're standing there gazing. I don't know how long they gazed. They're standing there. Two in white asked the question why stand gazing 
I don't know why they were gazing. I don't know if they were trying to take in the fact that he had actually left. I don't know if they were pondering the idea that maybe he wouldn't return. All right? But they're just gazing. They're standing there gazing as though they don't have anything to do. See, Christ had already promised them formally about returning. And I already stated it, John 14 and verse 3, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. But they're gazing. For now, for now, their responsibility was to wait, or more specifically, to expect. So their responsibility for now was to expect the promise of the Father. Then, after the promise came, the Holy Ghost came, they were to let it continue to teach and to do as it had done in the life of Christ. They were to continue to allow that to happen. And let me say this, until he returned to that same location, the Mount of Olivet, in bodily form someday, when Scripture says, as he went, only they seen him, but when he returns, every eye shall see him. And so we have a prescription here that we are in continuation mode huh you wait but when it comes you do and teach until I come back in bodily form to this location again he's not came back in bodily form to Mount Olives yet and so church we are in the continuation mode of doing and teaching only because we've been empowered by the Spirit from on high. If you'll stand for tonight, with that being said, I think for them it was absolutely worth the wait. And their expectation then has done nothing, has done nothing but help our experience now. Uh-huh. Their expectation then helps our experience now. And I'm asking us concerning the filling of the house, what will the expectation in this generation do for the experience of those that are still yet to follow us? Hmm. It was worth, it was worth the wait. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We'll pray here tonight. Come back next Wednesday. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.